Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 187 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in this week and thanks for getting involved with the podcast. Now in today's episode we are chatting about injury rehabilitation and prevention with Olympus Pro, the specialist performance and coaching company. Now, Olympus Pro was set up a number of years ago by Yanis. Now, Yanis is originally from Greece and moved to the UK to start a career as a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach. He gained all these relative qualifications, but really knuckled down on this idea of injury rehabilitation and, of course, preventing the injury in the first place. Now, Yanis reached out to me to come on the podcast and I thought I would get him on because we're all starting to get back into the swing of things. The COVID thing is hopefully on its way out and we'll all get back out on our bikes a little bit more often. Hopefully the racing season will start. So, of course, we're going to be going out there. We're going to be going 100% from day one. Uh, We're not going to lay off the gas at all. Um, So injuries will happen, all right? There will be some of us get injured. But there's ways to prevent that, and we should really start doing that now. And Yanis talks us through how to best do that, both in the gym and both on the bike. What kind of exercises we should be doing, what we should be looking for when we are exercising as far as strength goes, and mobility, stretching, all that kind of good stuff that we should all be doing in a more specific kind of mountain bike role. We then also chat about the rehabilitation and how so many of us kind of go at that the wrong way. It's not like we do it wrong, but we maybe tackle it from the wrong direction. We maybe look at it slightly differently than we should be so Yanis talks us through all that kind of stuff and how to best rehabilitate ourselves to make us stronger fitter get on that bike faster and uh, make us hit those trails with uh, added confidence etc now before we get Yanis on he has also been very very kind and offered you guys the mtb tribe podcast listeners 10 percent of his performance online program. So simply use the code TRIBE10, that's TRIBE in capital letters, T-R-I-B-E, the number 10 at checkout, or when you get in contact with Olympus Pro and you will get 10% off the performance online programs. Now that discount code is only available until May the 16th, so snap up your discounted programs before it's too late. Now with that said, let's get on with the show and let's welcome Yanis to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Good morning, Yanis. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you, mate? Hi, Gareth. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, all good here. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. good stuff. Bud. Good stuff. And uh, thanks for coming on. I know we were chatting a wee bit last week and stuff. So um, it'll be great to get you on the show. Now, you, you, have a, you have an interesting background, but we're going to be mainly chatting about injury, rehabilitation and prevention, stuff like that, which... We all kind of need in this game, right? You know, we're, we've all been busted in one way or another. <laughs> so it'll be good to get some insight and info on it before we start the racing season. Fingers crossed we get a racing season, right? But um, it'll be good to get into it. But listen, you're from Greece, man. So tell us a little bit about your background 
I know you've been quite heavily uh, involved in the action sports side of things. Like, what's what's been your background? What made you come from Greece over to the UK and stuff? Yeah, so um, I actually my my originally my background comes basically from uh, gymnastics. Actually, so I used to be um, a gymnast for uh, national level. Um, so I was competing for the Greek gymnastics for pretty much nearly 11 years. Um, and then, um, during my time there, um, from friends, basically, uh, I've been introduced to skateboarding, street mm. skateboarding, uh, where basically I, I fell in love with it. And then close to the end of, uh, if you can say career I had in gymnastics, I have been involved even heavily with skateboarding. Um, which I was, I was quite decent for the time. <laughs> I would say. And then after that, um, the next thing was, um, it, I, from some other mates, basically I've been introduced to motocross, um, uh, where that basically became my main thing, uh, for the, for the next four years after I stopped basically with uh, gymnastics and skateboarding, which was like pretty much when I was about 17. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and then, and then after that, because um, yeah, because I was a gymnast since I was uh, six years old. Jeez. So, um, <laughs> and then, and then, basically, uh, when I was uh, about uh, eighteen years old, I had to do the national service uh, in the army because it's uh, mandatory there, mm-hmm. uh, where I served with the um, marine, the Greek Marines, for uh, eighteen months. And then after that, I continued for a while again with the motocross. But my main goal uh, was while I was in, uh, in Marines, basically, my main goal was where I had the time to think about what I want to do next in my life, obviously, um, being a teenager. Um, and um, I knew that the kind of interest that I have um, is not something I can do as a career in, in Greece because, uh, to be honest, there's not so much, so much support there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, when I finished from, from Marines, basically, um, I was actively looking to move abroad. I wasn't sure if I want to go in UK or Germany. So I, to be honest with you, I would go anywhere <laughs> mm. uh, that I could actually, you know, start having a decent career. So and an opportunity came from a friend of mine that wanted to move in UK and said, like, listen, we actually, um, they have a, uh, an open position for customer service in a gambling company. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, I was back then. I was 20, 21 years old. Uh, do you want to send your your CV and stuff? I said, like, definitely, yeah. So that's why I did it, um, and they actually um, they accepted me, and um, I moved in UK ten years ago, um, 2010. Wait, it's nearly 11 years. Yeah, 2010. Um, and yeah, that's how I started. I started working basically in customer service. I started saving money. And then after that, I did my qualifications, uh, in personal training. And then after that, I did my qualifications for strength and conditioning. In the meantime, I was, uh, start making friends, you know, from, um, motocross, from the motocross, uh, uh background. Mm-hmm. And, um, what they told me, I was actually asking like, you know, does it work to get a bike here? Because obviously the weather is not really great. <laughs> mm. um, and they said, yeah. And then when they told me basically the cost and the time actually that you can ride over the year, 
it kind of put me off because it was involving too much cost for the time that you can actually ride. Um, and then they said, like, you know, you, there's, a, there's also downhill mountain biking. Um, and I was like, what is downhill mountain biking? I never actually heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, yeah, you know, it's like big forks, pretty similar to uh, motocross, but there's no engine. You're actually going down the hills fast and doing jumps and stuff. I was like, oh, sick. All right. Um, where can I get one? <laughs> so it's like, just go eBay. And I, and I just bought my first bike and actually I fell in love with it. Um, I remember we went um, and Canuck Chase, Style, Style Cup. I don't know if you if you know that bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I started basically doing there. I bought like a, a giant, uh, it's not, it wasn't the Glory, it was another one. I don't even remember. Uh, a very old one, mate. It was like 21 kilos. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, it was 2008, I think, model. Uh, very heavy um, anyway and this is how I started and I fell in love with it and then obviously I sold it and I started basically buying some more decent bikes um, and yeah and that's that's how I got into the mountain biking and, and I never looked back to be honest with you um, and then as I was doing that um, I started doing a bit racing um, with the borderline events back then a bit on the PDS as well and um then back in 2016, um, when I broke my leg, as I said before, um, this is where I actually um, I had to decide if I actually won't continue doing that, which I knew I won't have any future because I was doing for just for the love of the sport, really, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or get more serious and um, start basically seeing the other side of the sport, which is coaching. Um, and that's how I started, really. Um, mm. And since then, yeah. Uh, since 2016, basically, I starting I started being more serious with the, the coaching side, with the injury, rehabilitation, prevention, uh, performance, and all things basically around the, around that. I'm not mm-hmm. a technical coach though, so I don't coach actually mountain biking. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's some people that are much better than me <laughs> on that. <laughs> Yes, yes, for sure. And, you know, talking about that, so mountain biking isn't big in Greece at all. There's, it doesn't really happen there by the sounds of things? It does happen. It's more popular the last, I would say, uh, five, six years. Um, they have now, I mean, they're even more serious in the Enduro side. So the, mm-hmm. the Greek National Enduro uh, Series is pretty good, actually, pretty decent. Phil Atwill as well um, doing it as a, because he moved back there now in, in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um but not so much in downhill side. No, there's no there's not big scene in downhill side because there's no there's no enough funding. There's not enough support. Like people would love to do it. I'm pretty sure, but there's no there's not actually something proper serious that makes sense. They're more mm-hmm. serious in motocross. The weather is really good for motocross. Um, so the motocross side, uh, like in the mainland, I would say motocross side and the supercross side is more serious. Um, same with um, the double, the WS, excuse me, the Enduro side as well, the Enduro series. It's pretty, seri- it's pretty good there, but not, not the, not the downhill as such. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it may come. You wouldn't know. Um, well, yeah, it's it. They always come a bit later than the rest of the Europe, unfortunately. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so you got into the strength and conditioning coach stuff and the personal training you get into that after you broke your leg is that right uh no i got into the strength conditioning and um and personal training before i broke my leg so i'm um i'm actually uh, a qualified uh coach 
like the last um, seven years now, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, w- I, was, I w- always wanted basically to, to coach athletes. But um, because I was actually trying to do something my, for myself, you know, racing-wise, mm-hmm. um, I didn't focus on that straight away. So I actually started basically coaching uh, riders since 2016. Uh, this is which was basically right after I broke my leg. This is where I just okay. started focusing straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you could use yourself as a guinea pig there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew how to do it uh, yeah. to a degree, uh, but as I said, like that's what I, I advise as well. Some some young um, lads that they want to actually um, race, but also they want to become coach because they asked me in the past. Uh, I know a few of them. They're really good riders. And actually raced for some for some good teams as well, and they said like, um, uh, where should I go in order to you know start making a career from that? I said like, first of all, you need to decide what you want to do first. You, do you want to continue racing, or do you want to actually become a coach? Because you, you can't actually split yourself in two places. Be um, mm. good in both. It demands lots and lots of time, lots of stress. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, it's and it's it, it just. At the end, you're probably going to get disappointed because you're going to get overwhelmed. It's it's too it's too hard to be in both good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Decide what you want to do and just go for it, like full on. Don't don't look behind. Like once you finish your racing, you should be happy that you finish your racing. You should feel fulfilled and start a new chapter in your life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never I never regret it, if that makes sense. That I, I stopped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was going to ask. When your racing kind of came to an end through your injury and, and yeah. stuff like that, um, before that time, you were obviously you were into the strength and conditioning stuff, yeah. and, and you had you'd you'd obtained yeah. your personal training qualifications and things. Yeah. What made you want to do that? Was it kind of because you want to be involved in the in the racing community, stay close to that kind of stuff? realizing you weren't going to be racing for a career is is that what you were kind of thinking yeah so i'm a very very competitive person um and um i i it just i i when when i when i decided that i want to become a coach it was because my end goal was still continue basically be within the industry within the industry of the action sports mm-hmm. um it's my biggest love uh, I'm, I'm actually it's quite obsessive if that makes sense <laughs> yeah um and I couldn't see myself like no offense to you know like general public or anything, but I I like when I share the same passion, the same vision with with somebody because that makes me even want to help them, you know, much more and go the extra mile if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you're not passionate passionate about what you're doing, then why are you even doing it? If mm-hmm. that makes sense. So. Um, that's the main reason is like when people come to me, to me and say like, you, you, I really want to, you know, finish top 10 or, you know, be on the podium and I can see that, you know, like the, the spark in their eyes that, that makes me want to do it as well. I say like, yeah, mate, let's go and do it. Let, let's, let's try that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a great community to be involved in. And I'm sure, I'm sure you realize that, Absolutely. um, the guys in it are super, super stoked to be doing what they're doing. And, you know, um, so yeah, I can see the appeal for sure. Now you're based outside of Manchester. Yeah. In Winslow, actually just outside, 
well, it's, it is Manchester, really. It's in Wilmslow, so um, it's in Greater Manchester. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and you started your own company called Olympus Pro? Yeah, that's right. When did you start that? So uh, I started that back in uh, 2016. Um, originally it was um, Olympus Training, and then I renamed it to Olympus Pro. Um and yeah, and that's 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 how that's that's the name of it really. And mm-hmm. uh, we we help basically um, mountain bikers, um, uh, speci- more specifically, really um, enduro and uh, and downhill. And then uh, we also help uh, motocross riders. Yeah, who gets injured the most, motocross or mountain bikers? Um, at this point, to be honest with you, it's nearly fifty-fifty. I would say. Really. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, it's crazy when I get guys on the podcast here who are into yeah. racing and they're good, they're fast, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of them come from the motocross More background. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it seems to be the same story that motocross parts are too expensive and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they need yeah. something a little bit cheaper, so they fall into the mountain bike scene. Um, it's a very so, expensive sport in UK. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um so I'm sure you see quite a big crossover between those those two people and kind of their goals and their passion and stuff like that. All the time, all the time, literally. Mm. Uh, some of them they even do basically both uh, both sports, mm. like they compete like in both uh, series, like let's say the national uh, British series, and then they, they they race also the British Championship in motocross. And literally, the the reason they're doing most of that, well, most of them. Obviously, they're doing it for the for for the, for the sake of uh, of the sport, like they love it. But the same the same time is they trying to see where where they can actually have the biggest uh, opportunity, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, which very often, unfortunately, it does come um, from mountain biking. And I say unfortunately is because um, they really put a lot of effort, money, uh, you know, injuries um, into into motocross, and then at the end, you know. They have to leave it because they have a better opportunity, which is not bad, obviously. But at the same time, a lot of them come into the motocross because that's what they initially they love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they just continue as a hobby. Um, and that's because there's not enough support, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would think so. And it's something that's so expensive to run all the time. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, I used to. I used to work for a farmer around here. He, well, I, I, I was very good friends with with David, his son, but his dad owned a farm and we would go and work over the summer holidays. We'd go and work all summer in the farm. And then him and his brother were big into motocross and they had a field just kind of dedicated for motocross and they had a track built there and some jumps. And then we would go and ride the, the bikes after work every day. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and them guys would go and race. Um over the season they'd be away every other weekend or something like that mm-hmm. but i'll tell you what the amount of parts and bits they went through was unbelievable oh, yeah. they were breaking stuff every race you know it's crazy a season can cost to a privateer easily 20 grand wow easily, easily. if you want to be serious you definitely need two bikes and then for both bikes you need parts yeah um, and they break all the time because um, that's how it, the sport is, really. And then it's a, you know, it's a traveling, 
it's the parts, it's the bikes, it's the training. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I also had a friend that used to rally, rally cars, oh, you know. That's too many wars. <laughs> <laughs> he would go through about two or three grams worth of tires in the weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, mate. It, I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, even, even you know, just to, just to but, well, you even have to, I think you need, in rally, you have to, even to book uh, from the council the roads, like, because uh-huh. they have to close the roads to practice. Yeah. Um, and that that can cost a lot, a lot of money, actually. Yeah. It's nuts, uh, right? just, for one, just for one day to practice. Yeah, it's crazy. Those guys are in a different league. Yeah. Uh, so you start at Olympus Pro. Uh, yeah. And then, so you're self-employed there. You own that business. You're self-employed. Yeah, I'm self-employed. Obviously, I'm, 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 I do try to build something bigger than myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we know, that's, that's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. I do work, though, with um, a physiotherapy company as well, um, which is one of the leading companies in the UK. Um, and they, they look uh, after um, a lot of Red Bull athletes and um, a lot of riders. So they're very experienced on that. So if um, a rider needs anything, um, and I, obviously it's uh, beyond my skills and my expertise, then um, I send them to them. And um, and then we walk together, make sure the rider comes back as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let's jump into the injury rehabilitation and the prevention side of things. Yeah. Uh, I suppose we should we should talk prevention first, really. Yeah. Um, so, like, motocross and, and downhill will be very similar. But what do you see? What kind of injuries do you see most mountain bikers get? So the most common injuries uh, in mountain biking um, is broken limbs, really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, legs, arms, collarbones. This is what you see. Uh, you see very often concussions as well, as well, which is very serious. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, the most common. I would say it's it's legs and um, like like ankles and mm-hmm. uh, collarbones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we're, well, we're evidence of that, right? Because I broke my collarbone, you broke your leg. Yeah, and yeah. Tell us a little bit about your injury. How did that happen? Because it sounded quite nasty. Yeah, so it happened actually in a practice day um, in Farmer Jones <laughs> in a bike park. Right. Uh, so I was, um, it was actually second run, third run down the hill and um I was uh, basically trying to clear um, a hip jump back then. And uh, the way I actually did it, I overshoot it. And um, right, I was the hip jump. There was um, like, a, like, a, like a wall like next to the hip jump, basically. So the way mm-hmm. I hit it, if I wouldn't leave the bike and trying to land on my feet, I would just go and smash myself with the bike on the wall. Oh. Uh, so trying to... Get off the bike mid-air, which I did it, but my left leg trapped between the frame and the seat. Oh! So when I fell, uh, I I rolled basically, and as I rolled, I dragged my leg. Uh, so I dragged the, the the bike with my ankle. So the bike was bouncing, and I was bouncing. It just completely twisted my ankle the other side, the other way around, mm. um, which basically dislocated the ankle and uh, snapped fibula and tibia spiral fracture of the fibula 
uh, yeah, it was quite nasty actually. It was uh, it was pretty bad, and uh, yeah, after that, it took. Um, well, according to the doctors, it should take about nine months to uh, heal. But I managed to be back on the bike within three three and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that was because of your expertise and all this kind of stuff? Um, it was a mixture of um, knowing basically what's happening, done a lot of research. Because although if you even if you think that you know, uh, and and you've seen similar injuries in the past. An injury is never exactly the same with the previous one. Yeah. Um, so it's always worth to do, you know, your extra homework. Um, so yeah, I would say it was a lot of research, um, determination. Because if you want to get back on the bike that quickly, you have to go through the pain. Obviously, know when you need to push, and when you need to back off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it was a mixture of uh, knowing pretty much what I was doing back then doing my research um speaking with the physio uh weekly as well and um, make sure that um i was getting also uh, her knowledge back then because um, uh, it's always good to to have somebody else as well and you know like um get a second opinion um you know kind of supervise the situation because a physio is a physio i'm not a physio um and yeah, that's that's how I actually got back to the sport and make sure that you know it's fine now, which is actually that's good. It's actually solid now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. So like for us as riders, and you know, it's maybe different on the professional tour or the professional circuit level. But for yeah. us guys, like weekend warriors and guys like that, that go out a couple of times, three times yeah. a week. Like, how yeah. can we best prevent this kind of stuff? Like, obviously we don't want injuries it comes as part and parcel of the game to be honest but yeah you know how can we prevent it what can we do to to kind of help prevent injuries in the first place so that's a great question by the way Gareth and uh, that's why I keep saying to people as well so the best way to do it is doing the basics right the ones that you think it's the most boring (laughs) that's actually what you need to do and it's actually um Strength training is the, the best way to pre- basically trying to prevent injuries. Now, just to make it clear, because um, this is what we need to understand. At some point, you will break something. You might not. You might be like, <laughs> you know, at some point, you're definitely going to break something. Even if it sounds quite bizarre. That, but yeah. Um, you, you, you're playing with the fire. The, the better you know how to treat the fire, the, the better it is for you, obviously. But at some point, you're mm-hmm. going to get burned a bit. Um, so... That's what I want to say. Injury prevention, it's, it's, not, it's not us. You can't really prevent it the way you would prevent it, let's say, maybe in football. Uh, although in football, you can still see some savage injuries. But in mountain biking and motocross, at some point, something will go wrong. Something it will be out of your control and something will happen. Um, now... What is actually injury prevention in, in mountain biking? Injury prevention is when you're actually getting strong enough, um, like building your muscle that, that way, you're strong enough. So when actually you crash, you would have less possibilities of breaking something and just basically walk away with bruises only. Mm-hmm. That's an injury prevention. In, in my opinion, that's what is injury prevention. Injury prevention is also be able to move um, in a, in, to have basically a good range of motion, a good range of movement, 
So let's say something goes wrong, you go over some wet routes and you lose control of the bike and you kind of go in a split position. <laughs> and if you're flexible enough, you might not pull your hamstring, you might not pull your, your, your thighs basically. Um, and that's, again, that's injury prevention. Now, if you're stiff and that happens, you might actually pull or snap something. Um, if, you, if you, you know, crash on a tree, if you're not strong enough, you might dislocate your shoulders or you mm -hmm. might break your elbow or something like that. So that's an injury prevention. So you just reduce the possibility. You don't, you don't eliminate it. You just reduce the possibility. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's almost like having an airbag on your own personal yeah. self. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great way to say that. Yeah, an airbag, it will save you, but it's not guaranteed that you're actually not going to break something. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah uh, but i suppose you're talking about the strength training there that's all mainly gym specific yeah um yeah. so you're building up your system you're building up your muscle um yeah. so that you can absorb the impact better exactly. basically yeah you use now, muscles as uh, as basically um bulletproof breast yeah okay okay that that sounds that sounds pretty good um and i suppose a lot of the guys that are you know racing competitively yeah. and stuff they would all do specific kind of bespoke training in the gym for all those kind of situations uh for bike related training so mm -hmm. you would advise that you know those guys that are training pretty well even the weekend warrior right we should all be doing bike specific training because going to the gym and simply doing arm curls and bench press and squats, you know, very different from what we probably should be doing in the gym. Is that right? Or Correct. Yeah. So just being strong for the sake of it is not going to be enough. And why I say that, because you can be, you can train in the gym to become better in the gym, or you can train the gym to become better on the bike. That's mm. a big difference. Okay. So to be better on the bike, you need to know a bit more analysis, like the sports analysis of the sport. Um, so you need to know what you train, how you should train, and when you should do the kind of training that you choose to do. Uh, and again, um, you don't need to be a full-time racer to do that. This, is, as you said, is for everybody from a bike enthusiast to a racer. Uh, you could do different training off-season when you ride basically um less okay so when the weather mm -hmm. is absolutely grim and you can't go out you will do different training and then as the season basically opens and you can ride more then you change again a bit on your program and and becomes quite different so you can actually be able to make the most of of, of your bike basically if that makes sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this is where our job basically comes is to facilitate this and give you the right tools and do the right thing without wasting your time we don't ask people to train every single day in the gym. I personally don't. Um, I make sure they have enough rest. I make sure they have enough time on the bike. And I always work with them. I always ask them what to, what they want to do and how they want to do it. And then according to what they will tell me, I make sure to facilitate the programs accordingly to make sure they, they're happy and they're doing what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying there about changing your training for summer and winter basically is what yeah. you're saying there yeah um it's very interesting because you always get the old adage of people saying the best training for mountain biking is being on the bike yes i agree actually you know 
Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the best training for, for, for your sport is doing your sport. That's for sure. Um, however, you can only go that far, basically, by just doing your sport. Because if it was that way, then let's say if we go in a most popular sport, which is football, if it was that way, then all the footballers, they wouldn't do any strength training. They just play football all day. Mm, but they mm -hmm. don't. They don't. So why they don't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to make one thing clear, when you, when you say strength training, now when you yeah. say that people will automatically get the kind of image of somebody who's ripped, right? Who's pretty big, very muscular, yeah. little body fat. But you're saying footballers do strength training as well, but they're the opposite. They're very lean. Like uh, a mountain biker. They're very lean, are they? They're not very muscular. Yeah, yeah. So when you say strength training, you're you're doing a specific training, but you're not trying to build mass muscle as such because that would yeah. hinder what you're kind of trying to do in the bike. Is that right? Yeah, so... It's um, it's quite actually it's a myth, you know. Like if you do strength training, you will become you know, you're big and you're gonna just bulk. It, 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 to bulk and become like a bodybuilder, um, it takes a lot of effort, and it's not just strength training. It's um, it's also your nutrition as well. Mm -hmm. So for whatever you wanna do, basically uh, sport wise, um, you always do the, the you know you you always do accordingly the same thing for for your for the gym, let's say. So let me let me say that in a better way. So if you if you if you're an athlete and you want to have a lean muscle and be deceptively strong, then you're gonna follow different kind of program in the gym. So and that has to do with the high reps or less uh, or you know um, high sets. So it's basically the volume that you use basically in the gym. And the same time as well is how much calories you, you consume as well. So to get basically big, like become big, excuse me, to become big, basically, you need to um, consume a lot of calories and not just calories, but the right basically amount of carbs, the right amount of uh, protein, and, mm -hmm. and et, cetera, et cetera. And then that also should complement your training as well. So the, the, the one should complement the other. So that then you, you, you choose as well different kind of training. So um, you, you choose training that will bulk you, if that makes sense, will make mm -hmm. yeah. here. And you train a lot in the gym as well in order to do that. While in sports, it's quite different. Uh, again, we make sure that we, we the way we actually train the, the, the athletes, or generally the riders, um, they become strong enough, but they're not bulking. So the nutrition... Um, and, and the training is specific to for the, for the sport, not for the gym, if that makes sense again. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, people that they get become bigger is, well, it also has to do with the genes, but at the same time also is, as I said, is like they, they don't actually, they're not endurance um, athletes. They're not basically do any cardio, cardiovascular training. They, mm -hmm. just, they just do only strength training. Um, Mountain biking, motocross, sports like this, even if, in da if it's downhill mountain biking, it's actually, it has a, lo a lot of uh, aerobic as well. It's predominantly anaerobic, but it has a lot of aerobic as well in it. So, uh, training. So, they, it's quite hard to bulk, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so, because you're burning so many calories on absolutely. the bike and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you it's know, quite, because 
it's sorry, it's 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 quite hard actually to tell you exactly like mm-hmm. what kind of volume you should train and stuff because obviously everybody's different. But the, 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 if if I can wrap it up basically on that is when you want to bulk up, you're doing different volume of strength training and you you can you do pretty much nothing on the cardio side. But when you're in sport, you need you need both, and mm-hmm. you need the right recipe for that. Yeah, definitely, um, and that's why it's so difficult, right? Because you need to get these things right, and then you need to build skill your skill base on the bike. Also, you know, so yeah. you're doing so many things to be a top athlete. Um, but I think, like you said, there for the everyday mountain biker, it's good to do gym workouts and it's good to do bike specific gym workouts because it will all help at the end of the day and it will make your weekend rides more enjoyable yes yeah um that, that's a, that's the thing is like if i if i can give a little bit more detail on what, what what how you should train um obviously it's good always to have a coach for that to make sure you're doing the things right but let's say let's suppose that you're actually a very experienced gym goer so you, you pretty much have a good technique most of the lifts and stuff so you're not going to injure yourself. So I would always advise the, the, the riders basically doing more compound movements in the gym rather than basically isolation. So like bicep curl, as you mentioned before, that's an isolated, isolated movement. Uh, you will never see me train riders um, with isolation isolated movements, not because they're bad, but because they, they have the time and place in the programs. Mainly, you want to train compound movement. You, the way you use your, ba- your, your body in the, on the bike is with compound movement. And compound mm-hmm. movement means basically use your whole body. Okay, use different muscle groups at the same time. That's how the human body works anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not going to basically, uh, let's say, pick something from the floor just with your bicep, would you? You're probably going to bend your knees, get it down there, kind of squat, and then drive it up and, and lift it, isn't it? And yeah, that's, yeah. And that's a compound movement. So why would you do bicep curls? In the same on the bike, the way you hold your bike is more like a bend over row position, isn't it? So why why would you train only, let's say, um, your shoulders <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in isolation? So it, it, everything has its time in place. That's that's what I'm trying to explain. Really, is um, know know the reason you're doing it. Because if you don't know the reason you're doing it, then you're doing it for the sake of it, and then you lose basically the plot. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's i think we've seen you know the popularity in the specific gym programs for 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 bikes uh you know or whatever you're doing surfing all these kind of things are all all very different and you've, you we see the the popularity in these kind of sessions growing through yeah. bikers um and it's great to see because like i think the big thing on the mountain bike is and i hear quite a lot of guys chatting about it is this hip hinge is working on your hip movement because you know if you're going into the gym and just going on the treadmill and then you know bench pressing and deadlifting and you're not really working that hip hinge at all it was something that was very very alien to me when i first heard about it and i was like what what is this all about like hip hinge but it's something that's so important on the bike so very specific things like that are very different to a normal training session uh, yeah, yeah. Again, uh, yes, it is predominantly hip hinge. Uh, the hip, basically, that you're using the bike, um, you have to have really good mobility, and also your posterior chain needs to be absolutely strong. And um, for the listeners, if, what what I mean with posterior chain is, 
is actually um, from the top of your back all the way down to your hamstrings, so all your backside basically. Um, so you need to have the, this one basically. On, on the bike, you actually have an anterior position, so you, you use your, your front side, okay, because you hold basically with your hands, so mm -hmm. you're using your shoulder, you're using your chest, uh, you're using your quads a lot. Um, but you need to have really strong backside as well because it's the backside will actually help you to control mainly uh, the bike, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Generally, you have to be really balanced, really. Like I would say you need both. Um, the way you control the bike is from the hips. The way, the way you, you, you actually um, you are connecting with the bike is through your feet. Okay, fit, fit, and 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 your your hands as well, but it's mm -hmm. fit. Um, so you, you, it's very important to have really strong hips, glutes, hamstrings, quads. Um, but what you really need to make sure is actually have a good, a, a very good balanced body. So that's why it's very important. Um, and actually made a, a video on YouTube about that. It's very important to have really strong trunk, very really, really strong core. And not, uh, when I say core, I don't mean just abs. I mean your abs, all your abs, your lower back, your hips, your hamstrings, your quads. Yeah. So this mm -hmm. is this is what actually controls the bike. But then we still have we need to have basically strong chest and strong shoulders, and, and that's because um, the way we absorb basically the impact is not only through the suspension, it's through also our uh, arms and chest. So if you, for example, again, if you go, if we speak about injury prevention, if you land um, after a jump and you land flat, let's say, <laughs> the first thing that you're going to actually happen is pretty much getting a face plant on the bars if you don't go over the bars. Mm -hmm. um, how do you save that? How do you really save that? Yeah. yeah. You need to have basically strong chest and and trying to manage basically hold on these hand bars. Otherwise, you more likely you're going to get a face plant on the bars or even going to go over the bars. <laughs> yeah, we all can relate to that, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm saying like, yes, there's no right or wrong. There's no, oh, you should train more your legs or you should train more your chest. You should train everything for for a reason. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a message I'm trying to pass, really, is like, make sure that don't listen one, um, one opinion only, because it's not like it's right or wrong, but it might be half opinion, basically, half, no, half of the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, you need to make sure that you have a strong athletic body, because that, when, you will need pretty much everything when, you, when, when the worst time will come. <laughs> Yes, yes. And you touched on flexibility there as well, Yanis. Yes. Um a very, very big player in the whole thing, right? To mm -hmm. to be flexible and to be able to bend in ways you, you probably don't try to bend when you're in the gym, right? Absolutely. So flexibility and mobility are very, very important. Is they're actually as much important as they actually uh, the strength is uh, or the carrier is, um, and that's because um, if you if you only if you aren't just strong and fit, but you can't move properly, and th then again you're in, in a high risk of an injury. 
Plus, you won't be able to enjoy your your, your riding uh, as much as you wish, probably, because you you probably move like a <laughs> like a brick. Yeah. Um, so, in uh, um, how to say that? Flexibility and mobility are very important because, let's say, I, I, I like to speak with examples, really, because that's the best way to, to understand that. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's say you're going. Um, you're gonna you, you're gonna do a really st- stiff, uh, sorry, um, stiff drop, okay? Um, you got it. Just, just, just tell me that. When you want to do a, a, a stiff drop, basically, what happens with your body? What happens with the back of the body? What do you need to do in order to make sure you clear it? Yeah, well, you get your butt out over the saddle. That's the first thing that I would do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and then when you drop, you... Well, you, you sight your landing and then you get ready, you, you get your body in the proper position for the impact. Exactly. So the way the way you're going to actually put your body uh, on the bike as you're ready to drop, basically, uh, drop in from the drop, uh, is basically s- s- highly stretched, basically, on the very back of the bike, isn't it? Like really mm. stretch your shoulders and get in a position pretty much that you kind of, fully stretch on the back wheel. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then as you land in it, you're getting back on a position again. So when you need to do that, what do you need to, to be able to do is you have to be very flexible on your lower back, hips, hamstrings, ankles. Yeah. Shoulders, obviously. Mm-hmm. So if you won't be able to do that, what will happen? You're not going to get the right position. You probably, um, you're going to be halfway through the sandal and you will be more in high risk of going over the bars again. Mm -hmm. And that's why, for example, mobility is there. Now, this is something that you still can control because you're going consciously over the drop. Let's speak that something happens unconsciously, um, subconsciously, excuse me, which is going to be like an accident, for example. Let's say you're going over the roots, as we said before, and they're wet and uh, front wheel wash off, basically, and you have to put the foot down to save it and your foot lands on the roots and you and you slide and you go in a split position if you're not flexible enough what could happen yeah no i i, <laughs> I don't want to think about that one exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. so this is where strength and flexibility comes together to save you or not mm, yeah and when you're talking there about putting you know your butt over the back tire and doing that whole hip hinge thing now yeah. there's a there's a correct way to do that in an incorrect way as well and i think if you don't have the flexibility in place and you don't like you say have that core element and all engaged there mm-hmm. you're you're not able to do that hip hinge correctly right if you don't have yeah. the, the the correct flexibility you, you may think yeah. you're doing it but if you've seen a video of yourself doing it you're not doing it anywhere close enough to to good enough to help yeah yeah so i just want to say something regarding that like a lot of people might say well i ride bikes let's say the last 15 years and i'm absolutely fine why i don't need a gym for that thing yeah cool uh, as i said is 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 not really it's not really the gym work that will make you a better rider it's there to complement your riding Mm. and make sure that you'll be absolutely fine in the worst case scenario or close to absolutely fine. (laughs) 
Uh, I just want to make clear that because a lot of people, they told me this before, like, oh, I'm fine, I'm riding 15 years now, uh, now, and I enjoy my biking, and then I'm going to, to the pub. Yeah, that's fine, mate, if you want to continue to do that. <laughs> I'm not saying don't do that, um, and probably it's not for you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, crack on. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, I just want to make sure that you, uh, we speak to for everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So there's a lot goes into it, um, and I suppose doing a specific program like one that yous would offer at Olympus Pro and stuff is is something that we should all be looking at. Really, you know, we should all be focusing more on that and doing something that will help us at the weekend or help us when we're out in the bike. Yeah. So the programs that we offer, really, um, the way I'm, uh, I design them is. Um, is around your lifestyle as a rider. So I'm not, I'm, I never put anyone to do more than they can actually or capable to do. Um, we, we all have a life and sometimes life gets in the middle and we actually can't train when we want to train. So the way I, I design the programs is actually by having a conversation with a rider, find out a bit more about um, their needs and um, what they want to achieve, uh, what level they want to achieve it and how much time they have available mm-hmm. and and then make sure that on that time they have available they make the most of it really um i always prioritize riding i always I will ask like how many how many times do you want to ride and i don't reduce the time they want to ride because if that will make them happy and keep them mentally you know like stable let's say especially in these kind of times like now with the covid um i i just leave it as it is and then make sure that the, the remaining time they're doing some strength work um, and mobility work. So I give them a planner, a monthly planner, and uh, with like a guidance, like a guide, and they just follow the planner. So the planner will tell them when to train according to what they told me. Mm-hmm. So that way they know exactly when they need to train, when they need to rest, when they, they want to go to ride, um, and obviously have some time as well to spend with family, friends, etc. Yeah, so it makes it, it's one of those things, I, I think it makes it doable, it makes it enjoyable, and if, yeah. you know, if you're working 40 hours plus a week, and you have a family, and you have other responsibilities, you know, and the gym time comes, and you think, oh, I've got to go to the gym for frig's sake, well, you're not going to be doing that too long, are you? No, you know, you'll no. give up a month in or something, so you have to make it enjoyable, it sounds exactly. very, yeah. Excellent. No, that sounds great. Now, let, let's go on to the rehabilitation thing, Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. Now, I suppose this will depend very, very much on what your injury is and, and things like that. But how should we best go about rehabilitation? What's the do's and don'ts with it? That's a great question, honestly. Um, so regarding rehabilitation, um, it's something that a lot of people underestimate and why they underestimate, especially the riders. We love so much riding that, and I see that so often that let's say I have a, a recent example. I'm not going to mention obviously names and stuff, but it was a rider um, and broke his ankle. Actually, I was right there in front of when, when, it, when, that, when that happened. Um, and I knew it was it was broken that that he that he, that he broke it uh, broke the, the ankle, but I didn't say anything. No, freak him out. Anyway, when he went to hospital, and then he texted me back, he's like, "Yeah, I broke it." I said, "Like, yep." I said, "Like, right, okay, wait um, now until obviously you move the cast, and then the first thing you need to do is go to the physio." Uh, the rider actually, and <laughs> um, when you move the cast, the first thing he did was went back to the bike straight away. He had minimum 
uh, mobility and he trained basically to get back on the bike, not to do many things, but just to start riding. Um, from the one side, it's cool uh, because that shows, well, like they're quite tough lads. Mm. Uh, but the other side as well is like the possibility to re-break it or make it worse actually and never get back to where it should be is massive. Um, and that's because they think that the body can take care of of itself basically uh, especially when you're young and yes it can get to a certain degree but um, if you don't do the right things it will never basically um, get a hundred percent right and the reason is because when we injure something uh, quite severely and um, the body is quite smart and will always find a way to um, um, compensate pretty much with other muscle groups or other parts of the body mm. in order to continue basically being function, uh, functional um, and to protect also the injured limb. So let's say, for example, you break your ankle, okay? And then you, you can walk again after let's say a few months, you, you remove the cast and you can walk again. You kind of leap, but you walk anyway. The first like, very common thing is that the opposite side, we will start overworking to support the injured limb, okay? Mm -hmm. And when this happens, by overworking it, you start to become stiff. When you become stiff from the, the, from the one side only because it overworks, you start basically have uh, some new limitations. Um, like, for example, your hamstring gets stiffer, then you start having lower back pain because your 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 glutes might overwork, or the glutes can get also uh, stiff as well. And then we, when you start having uh, lower back pain, then you might start actually having also the, on the opposite side shoulder pain, and all this can actually start just because you broke your ankle. Mm, mm -hmm. And it might it sounds like I exaggerate, but I promise you I don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and that's why it's very important once you remove the cast to actually get a good, clear diagnosis to see how much damage has been done and start basically using reverse engineering and start fixing things. So when you actually get the green light to, to ride again, you know that you're 100% back on, on the bike and you're not going to injure again your leap. Um, just because you did something wrong. Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah, certainly, certainly. And like physio comes into that massively, right? Yeah, so if I give you the right order, let's say, well, the right order, it's not always the, the same order, but yeah. um, the, the com most common way is like if you break something, you wait until you remove the cast or the boot or whatever it is that. Then the next thing is actually see a physio, get a diagnosis and not get a diagnosis in order to see if it's still broken because it won't be broken. It will be fixed. Um, but to see what, um, parts of your body don't work properly at the moment. So basically, for example, if you break again, your ankle, when you remove the cast, you'll have a really stiff ankle. So one of the things you have to do is, is assess basically how much mobility you lost. Okay. So mm -hmm. check basically, for example, need to go yeah, so see how far you, your knee can go, basically, so how much you can flex your ankle. Um, then you need to see how much muscle mass you, you, you lost, because most of the time, when you break something, uh, you, it, it gets atrophy. Okay, so if it gets atrophy, it means that the muscle either, either is basically uh, is quite small, because you lost muscle, uh, and also um, 
it's kind of basically in um how to say in a sleep mode so he's not active at all yeah yeah by not being active at all as i said before something else will overwork to compensate uh that thing so all these things you need to know them and you don't know them because and, and unless if you're <laughs> Uh, a professional in that, in that industry, you have to go and see somebody and tell you these things, okay? And even if you are, you still need a second opinion. Um, yeah, you see, yeah. I think I think a problem that a lot of us would probably do is we get out of the cast or, you know, the doctor or our latest X-ray gives us the, the go-ahead. Yes, you're fine, go-ahead. And they kind of push you out the door and they say, right, that's you, you're grand. And then you go back to your normal training. But you probably go back to something like that too soon because, like you were saying, you don't have yes. the mobility. You know, your muscle's been sleeping for three months or four months or whatever. Um, like, how soon can you get back to normal training or when do you know that that time is right? So what we're doing is basically, let's say, let's say I, I work with you, okay, and you broke, like yourself, basically, you broke your collarbone, yeah, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you, and now you had another operation where you removed basically the plate. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is take you to physio, um, get a diagnosis, see what is happening, and then according to the diagnosis, I will start working basically on your on your shoulders, okay. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing I will do is assess you. So, we'll, because I need a baseline. So, I need to know if I never worked before with you, I need to assess you to have a baseline. If I worked with you before, then I have already the baseline before the injury. So, now if I have the baseline, I know where I need to take you back to, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If I don't, then I create a baseline. And according to what I've experienced before with other riders as well, and according to what it should be pretty much normal, then I will prescribe you a program where basically progressively I will increase your mobility, flexibility, and strength and strength endurance of your of your um, shoulders, chest, back. Okay, because we speak about the collarbone. Mm -hmm. um, when do I know that you're back to normal? I will know that you're back to normal when I actually do uh, at the end at, at the very and basically, as, as, you, in, as you increase your strength and your mobility, because you will know that as well, you will feel it, I will start basically uh, implement different elements in your training where subconsciously, I'm not going to let you know that, but subconsciously, I'm going to test you and start increasing your confidence and you'll start realizing that, oh, shit, actually, I can do things now again. Um and that will give me and will give you the confidence that you're actually back to normal. Um, so it's basically some data that I'll collect from you strength-wise, some data that I collect from you mobility-wise, and some data that I'll collect from you through some exercises, with the, some, some playful exercises that will actually show you that you're back to normal. In the meantime as well, as we're doing all of these things, um, I'm going to even tell you, right, let's start now, get you back on the bike a bit. Let's, let's go for a cross country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's introduce you again, the biking, um, and slowly, slowly increase that. So it's, it's not, it's not like a, a golden recipe. It's not like a fine line. If that makes sense. It's, it's, we, we're going as we see and as we feel if that makes sense. So I, I work with you and I ask you all the time, how do you feel? 
also I do like I do with my own eyes as well like right okay we're getting better now I can see that we're getting better because of this this and that and then slowly bring you back um it's quite hard to tell you exactly because it's quite different for for mm -hmm, for everybody yeah. yeah yeah but the 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 order is pretty similar to it mm -hmm. get a diagnosis either from the physio or from the surgeon um and then based to what they say we do uh, some some tests and then we start basically prescribing uh strength training now we're not going straight into resistance training with barbells and dumbbells. You might at the beginning might be a bit body weight and uh, bands, and mm -hmm. then slowly, slowly introducing to a little bit more resistance and gradually bring you, you know, back to full strength. But you will believe me, you will know <laughs> when you're ready. You will definitely know that. And if you don't know, then I can do some exercises with you to prove you that you're not ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because a lot of these guys. <clears throat> you know they they want to get back as soon as possible, and they maybe yeah push too hard, right? They maybe they maybe push through pain, which is telling them no, you you shouldn't be pushing through this type of pain. It's not your normal kind of workout pain. This is something else. Like, do you get that a lot with these these extreme sports dudes? Sorry, can you repeat the question? I, I lost you. Yeah, just you know when you're you're training your normal training. Yeah, and you obviously have pain with it with your normal training. Um, when you're rehabilitating from an injury, if you're getting a different kind of pain, if that makes sense, you know you're you're actually damaging something that you shouldn't be, or you're you're nagging at something that shouldn't be, or something's not working properly. Like, how do you diagnose that? How do you know when to stop if a certain pain's there? So. Regarding that, it, it, it's yeah, it's quite it's quite difficult, really, um, yeah. because uh, every every injury is quite different. Every person has different pain threshold. Um, when you rehabilitate something, sometimes you have to go through the pain, and it might sound strong, and some people disagree with me. But at some at some time, you have to go through the pain. Now, when is when is severe pain, um, or you aggravate something. Uh, then, then it's a different story, but um, because I, we, that's why we work as well very close with the physio, um, we we know when we need to go through the pain and when we, we should stop, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, when we should stop aggravating stuff. Now, sometimes we might do, we might do, but we know that straight away because the patient will tell us, like, I, th this, I think this is more than actually I can handle. And, we, and then we, we back off a bit and, and then we just use again um, regression, if that makes sense. So regret, yeah. regress basically the exercise to something easier until the person is ready to progress again, if that makes sense. Or we just use alternative exercises. Um, it's, a, it's a constant communication between me and the rider and the physio, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And then progressively as he gets better, we see the physio less and less. And we work more into the, you know, into the fitness and strength side. Um, but it's a constant communication. There's no right or wrong. And there's no, again, there's not something that can say it with an absolute way. Mm -hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, definitely. No, it's, it's such a minefield of, you know, things that are going on. And because every injury is different, every rider is yeah. different. It's just crazy, right? 
very, yep. very difficult. Let's chat a little bit about the psychological side of it because, you know, when I broke my collarbone, it was no big deal. I was going to be off my bike for a number of months, but mm-hmm. that was okay. But thinking of that from, and I never really thought about this until until that scenario arose, but for a professional athlete who breaks something and can't train and can't compete, it's their livelihood, it's their income. That must be so mentally tough for those guys. Like, do you see that through Olympus Pro? Do you train with athletes like that, which have had a hard, really hard to deal with mentally, you know, like a, a break or, or an injury that has been really hard to deal with for them? Yes. Um, and it's quite it's quite painful for my side as well, really, because um, uh, I kind of share the, the, that that feeling. Um, it's quite sad to see that. But at the same time, um, the way we work with their the riders when they when they have this kind of um, injuries and keep them away from the sport for so long, or even off the season completely, like last year, I had a rider that he lost all the season, so he was away pretty much for a full year. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always encourage is stay within your sport. So I always say, like, if you can go to the races, go to the races. It might be painful that you're racing, but you're still w- within your element. You still basically socialize with other riders. You don't feel isolated. You don't feel that you're not belonging anymore to, you know, to where you actually belong. So um, I always encourage that. And also, it's good to keep uh, the riders busy with um, different tasks. Um, for example, obviously, not only the rehabilitation, uh, I, I'm always trying to invite riders that are injured to train with riders that are not injured. So to train together. And um, because that way you, you keep, as I said, you keep the rider within uh, their element. You know what I mean? Within their community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they feel like still belonging somewhere and makes the makes the rehabilitation and the time of the sport easier and it passes faster. Um, the time passes faster. Always encourage as well to do things that you didn't have time to do before, like find perhaps a hobby or do a hobby that you haven't touched for ages. Um, keep your mind busy and creative because that's the that's the way, best way to, to, to stay to stay alerted. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, things like this, we also, obviously we stay in, in touch and we communicate uh, pretty much weekly. Uh, make sure they're happy. Uh, if they're not happy, why they're not happy? How I can help them? Um, we share books and stuff. Some writers that do like to write to read, <laughs> believe me or not. Uh, <laughs> so um, I have writers that they generally say to me, like, "Can you send me a book, basically, uh, that will basically help me more with uh, the psychology of, of the of the." you know, the side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do things like that. Uh, but the main thing that I, as I said, that I encourage always is keep the rider within their, their environment, keep the rider uh, close with the other riders because it's the, the, the injury would pass faster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and they, you know, some, some of them, you might see them even with a broken leg and a boot, which is not advisable, but you might see them with a broken leg, basically on the bike and cycling around, you know, around their, their, you know, the neighborhood or alongside with other riders in cross country. Um, as long as they're not too stupid, <laughs> I would say go for it. I mean, like you, you can't control completely the, the person, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not advisable, but 
at the end of the day, it's their call. I've seen I've seen different stuff like this, um, and it makes me laugh. But at the same time, I'm like, God, <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So the mental side of it, it's it's really hard. There's not many things you can do apart from actually make sure that the person has a very supportive environment, and the supportive environment is mainly their families and their fellas. That's why I say keep keep them basically within their element. That's that's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose when we look at the pro riders and, and they're maybe having to sit out for half a season or something because of an injury, I think we we look at that and we say, oh man, that's bounty suck for him so bad. But then we kind of forget that they have been doing this from a young age and they've probably went through this scenario a number Maybe. of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. nothing yeah. new. <laughs> nothing new, but even even if it's nothing new, still every time it's new, that makes sense. Like the, the going through this roller coaster, basically, it's it's painful because when it happens once, you don't know it. So it's kind, kind of new. You're going to go through the first time with frustration. Mm-hmm. But when, when you, when you, you, when you finish with that and you're, at, you know, you see light at the end of the tunnel and you start getting back to the sport again and you're smashing it. And then let's say a year later, you break something again. Now you know, and now it becomes quite hard again. It was probably even harder than the first time because now you know how hard it was in the first place. Um, but if you have the right tools, you're going to go through the grieving process, which probably will be about a few weeks or even months. And then once you finish with the grieving process, which is absolutely normal, then this is where it's very important to have the supporting environment ready. Have your mates there, you have your family there, um, have things that you can do to keep yourself busy. Know your, know your, your, um, your strengths. Know that, you know what, if I do this and so that and I, and, I, and I follow the process, I can get back in, like, uh, in, in sooner than I was expecting to. Have a, have a goal is very important. That's something I forgot to tell you, actually. Um, have, a, have a target. Let's say the, the surgeon might say you, you'll be back, let's say, in six months. But if you actually have a target to be back in four months, you might not be in four months back, but you might be in, fee, in a five months back. So you're still basically a, a month earlier back mm-hmm. on your bike. So have a target and trying to, to hit it as long as it's realistic as well. Um, it's very important because that gives you more thrive. That gives you a bit more, you know, like, um, uh, how can I explain that? Yeah. Thrive, I would say like, uh, you know, an end, an end goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, and this is something you work very close with, with your coach, uh, and your team team is your physio, your coach, your family, your mates, you know, the close people, mm-hmm. the closest people to you. Yeah, yeah, it's very good information, um, and it's something I don't think we we think about. You know um, that these pro guys, it's something they got to deal with, and I suppose they're always kind of thinking about that. But if they have a good team, which they probably do have, if they're at that level, then these things they can get through them quicker, mentally better as well, and probably come out the other end. Because it's funny, isn't it? We see a lot of guys and a lot of sports that have. A pretty bad injury and then the next season they're on fire right they just Absolutely. they win everything they're on every podium they're lifting cups and titles and you know it's crazy that actually how it happens yeah um it's i mean 
it's quite hard to speak, you know, on behalf of them because unless if you're within the team, you don't know exactly what's happening. But from my side, because um, I have um, four riders, basically two riders that ride in the junior uh, World Cups and um, actually three riders in junior World Cup and two in the in the elite. Um, the way we're doing it is, and I, I know from some of the coaches I know as well that they train uh, different riders in the World Cup. The way they're doing it is it's pretty similar to what I said before. Is um, they have a very supportive um, team, and what they do, they take the time uh, while the rider is injured to work in other aspects, other elements of their performance that they didn't actually have the time to do that before. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more on the bike, so. And um, yeah, you can see some interesting results uh, when the person is mentally strong and, you know, they, they have basically put the puzzle together and they know exactly now where, when, when they need to target and what they need to do. And they come the next season and because they have all this fire to, you know, to ride again, they're just doing better than before. Um, and also they, they had a good six months, nine months a year to work in different aspects of their mental, uh, mm. um, on the mental strength, which is very, very important. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The, the mind is, I mean, you have to be strong and fit, don't get me wrong, but if, you, if, you're, if you're weak, no matter how strong and fit you are, you can't win. <laughs> you have to have the mind. You have to mm -hmm. have the strength of the mind, the mental strength. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It plays a large part in it, for massive sure. Part. Yeah, massive part. Yeah, cool. Um, well, Yanis, thanks so much for coming on. I'm a bit, uh, I know we're, we're running over time here a little bit, um, but tell us, what's the future like for Olympus Pro? Have you anything planned in the near future you can tell us about? Anything different, new? Yeah, so if you want to uh, come and see me, actually, uh, in the Nationals, um, I'll be uh, more likely most of the Nationals uh, in the downhill and mountain biking uh, races when hopefully they start. And, mm -hmm. and the same for the, um, I'll be on the Mex Nationals as well in motocross. Um, so yeah, we have a tent there. We basically, uh, we offer support to all the riders. So if they need anything from taping, massage, uh, even just ask some questions performance wise, uh, come and see us and say hi and perhaps have a coffee or a Red Bull or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll be there. Um, I'm doing this pretty much every year, uh, trying to support as many riders as I can uh, during the racing season. Um, and then um, if you if you uh, want basically to perhaps work with us, you can visit my website, which is olympuspro.co.uk, and then you can find uh, on the services uh, all our programs. The way we work uh, with all the riders, either if it's remotely or online, or full face-to-face, full-time face-to-face, is uh, through our app, where basically we offer um, our programs through high-definition uh, video demonstrations and descriptions. Um, and also we offer nutrition guidance. And um, you have weekly support with me to make sure that you're uh, doing the right thing, or if you need to change anything in your program to help you, make sure we're doing the right changes and you have constant progress. Um, you can also you can find uh, a lot of what we're doing on Instagram because we're very active on Instagram. So Instagram, Facebook, um, under the Olympus um, Pro Performance uh, Coaching, and um, 
we put pretty much uh, every week some YouTube videos out with a very good information about how you can actually uh, either protect yourself from injuries, um, come back from injuries, or improve your performance. So yeah, we give in a lot of th- a lot of things for free. To be honest with you, uh, make mm-hmm. sure we, we're trying to help as many riders as we can. Because um, yeah, it's it's still quite new our sport actually. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Um, but yeah, you offer you offer a lot there, and your website's very good actually. Um, definitely go and check it out, folks, if you want to know more. Um, it's full of info there and all the stuff's on there so yeah good stuff man well listen thanks for coming on Yanis and uh, thanks for having me thanks for the time yeah not a problem and I hope it helps people one not injure themselves and two if they do that they can rehabilitation rehabilitate with a little bit more focus and uh, a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) well as uh, I I always say um, and I I say that generally this is not like I'm trying to sell to anyone um if you ever have a problem, if you have an injury, it's better to ask than actually trying to sort it out through finding some random YouTube videos. Um, it we won't cost you anything. It's free information. At least we can actually um, put you in the right direction and, and per- perhaps you know tell you who you need to see first before you start doing anything on the bike or on your own. So that goes for any anyone that listens to the podcast. If you have a problem, if you have an injury, an issue or something, please reach us, send us a message, say what's your problem, and it's, you know, we're just going to tell you where to go, what should, what should you do. And if we don't know, then we'll make sure we find out and let you know where you should go. Yeah, brilliant. Do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm sure people will be totally all over that um and it, it's great because it is, it's not a nice thing to injure yourself and we, we all know it's part of the sport, but it's never a nice thing. You've got feelings of being left behind. Your mates are getting faster and you're getting slower and, you know, all this kind of thing runs through the mind. Um, but thanks so much for coming on and pointing oh, us in the you. right direction. Yeah. I appreciate it, mate. Well, listen, good luck for 2021. I hope the race season goes ahead and you can get out and, and get some more clients and stuff like that. It'll be awesome to see how things go for you. So good luck, mate. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's a wrap for episode 187. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you took something from that and maybe look at your gym sessions and your bike sessions. That little bit different to help prevention or help injury rehabilitation. Giannis is a wealth of knowledge and it was great to get him on the show and have a chat and he's doing really, really good things in the MTB and motocross scene. Giannis, I just wanted to say thank you to you, sir, for coming on the podcast. I really did enjoy our chat and I know you've invited me over there so hopefully that's something we can do in the near future but for this year the gems look like they're opening up if not already and um, let's hope it's a great season for you man good luck with 2021 and if you're over this way definitely give me a shout we can hook up at some of the events now if you want to know a little bit more about what we chatted about just simply go to the show notes mtb-tribe.com search for Yanis's episode 187 and you'll get links there to Yanis's website, his socials, a few videos he's up on YouTube and stuff. Just easy access for you guys. Now, don't forget also that Yanis has been very kind to offer us a 10% discount code on his online program. Simply enter TRIBE10, that's TRIBE, capital letters, T-R-I-B-E, the number 10, at checkout or whenever you get in contact with Yanis for Olympus Pro and you will get 10% off those programs. 
Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean, or whatever podcast platform you use. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast. You can also get involved on social media. We are at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. You can PM me there, or if you prefer the old-fashioned method, you can email me at mtb-tribe.com. That's it for this week, folks. Until next week, when we'll have another exciting guest on. It's one I'm really looking forward to. Until then, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked.